you're live. Dan is a is a Kildare native now living in the beautiful ancient mm -hmm. northeast. Um, Dan started speaking out in 2016 at the beginning of the Irish water fiasco. The political side of the channel began in January 2020 in the run-up to the general election in the hope that some might think twice about ticking the box beside the local Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael representatives. Dan's not affiliated to any party. He's just an independent voice holding the Irish government to account one video at a time. Um, welcome to Off Grid Ireland, Dan. You're doing fine work. Um, you're doing the work the Irish media should be doing and are neglecting. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. Oh, we're delighted to have you. Um, I just will kick it off. Um, give us a rundown on where you feel Ireland is right now, culturally, politically, and where we might be heading. Well, uh, unfortunately, as we all know, I'm not in a very good place right now. Um, and unfortunately, I do believe it's actually by design. The... Um, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, as we know, have been around for far too long. Um, they're, they're, they have clearly no plan on what they're doing. Uh, take the current situation down in East Wall, for example. Um, people with genuine concerns and genuine questions are being fobbed off as being racist, xenophobic, the usual nonsense from the media. Uh, the absolute disregard from the, for the public by the government. Whitewashing over the real issues by the media is shocking, but not uh, surprising of course um, I dread to think it's bad now but I dread to think where we'll be with Radker holding the reins two years from now um, it is actually I do believe going to get uh, a lot worse unfortunately um, as we can see over the last few weeks with all this insanity of the thousands coming into the country uh, we can clearly see there's no they have no plan uh, other than flood the country with who knows who uh, our health our transport barely operate operate a housing and homeless crisis, and yet thousands flooding in. Um, as I said, it's not going to end well, unfortunately. But I do believe that, and again, taking East Wall as the example, I know it's obviously not only East Wall, but that's one. The, the beautiful town of Killarney is another one. Uh, is another one. But um, I do believe this is probably what's going to actually get the Irish uh, to stand up. I don't personally like the term wake up, to be honest. I prefer to say stand up. And I do actually think this is actually what's going to cause it once and for all. And finally, another nice thing, actually, um, I must say about, um, the, uh, the, again, just going back to the East Wall, um, the, it's nice to see and I'm delighted to see it that Sinn Féin's true colours are shining through, that people are seeing through that lie uh, that they're, they've been pushing and they're not getting the reception they're used to. And I'm delighted to see that, actually. It's great. There was one guy there with a uh, not working uh, working for herself poster of McDonald, which I was delighted to see. Yeah, it was great to see that. Um, I'm, it's great to see the people power. I think that's what they actually really is. hear is people coming together. Um, You've you done a, a video recently on the CETA agreement. Um, what impact will this legislation have in Ireland? And... Why are these globalist agreements seemingly easy to get into, but very hard to um, get ourselves out of once we've signed in? Um, you see, the, the, what's going to happen is, and what is happening with that, is that um, um, the, the government will sell it as a great idea and a great story. And of course, they are selling it as a, as a great story. 
Um, but uh, and a great thing for the country. But the problem is, uh, what's going to happen is it's basically going to trample on workers' rights. Um, it's going to give uh, corporations the power to sue a government. But if that's not bad enough, uh, we'll say, for example, um, the government tomorrow, for, for, for a laugh, decided, let the council build houses again. And uh, and obviously affordable houses, uh, like they used to be, like council houses that no general everyday workers could afford. And if they were selling them, say, for X amount of money, an affordable price, um, but a private, co- a private corporation said, oh, you're uh, actually costing, costing us money, so we're going to sue you. So the, basically the private corporation, if their profits are any way infringed by governments, they can actually be sued, which I mean is just absolutely shocking. But what's even worse again is that if this, uh, say it was terminated, Ireland, by the way, if and sadly when they sign up for it because they're ramming this through, uh, they're trying to ram this through. Um, the when Ireland signs up to it, Ireland can't actually terminate the contract. Um, it actually has to be the EU that terminates the contract. And even if Ireland, the only way Ireland can do it was by would be by leaving the EU. And even if Ireland did leave the EU, say they left it next year, we let we the country was out of the EU next year. Even though they've left the EU, the contract with CETA, with the Canadian government, is still, and the, the, the private uh, conglomerates and companies, is still in place for a further 20 years. So this is, must not be allowed to happen. It will, it will, as I said, it will destroy every, all, all workers' rights, everything. And it will actually also sign up for um, future governments. Um, so basically, even if future governments 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road decide to do something, they won't be able to because they'll be tied by the CETA agreement. So it's an absolute disaster, should not be in any way allowed. But of course, and and the fact, of course, that Varadkar thinks it's a good idea. Well, that's all you need to know that it's not. Does it seem it seems to um, drive a wedge, does it, between like the. If, like you wanted to do, like an, you wanted to have a nationalistic policy, say you wanted to build build a scheme of council houses or something, and if the government were to do that, would not without going to the private sector, then they can be penalised. Is that the type yeah. of? Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, um, as I was saying, if the if whatever the government decided to do was going to in any way impact a company's or a corporation's profits, they can be sued. So what that'll mean is governments now, well, obviously we know not this one, but governments in the future won't take the chance because they'll say, well, what, what's the point? We'll only be sued. So they won't do it. So as I said, it, 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 must, be, it must be fought tooth and nail that it must, we must, must not allow it to happen. And as I said, because um, the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael think it's a good idea. In fact, last December, um, they tried to ram it through the doll uh, in 45 minutes. And that just goes to show you. When they tried to do something like that, the last time they did something like this was the water bill. So, yeah, as I said, I don't think the majority of people realise what this is and what, what the ramifications will be if it passes. Especially, and not maybe not immediately, but even years down the road. Yeah, I think if that was you said in the video, like up to four dolls to pass, like 
it's in that we can sign our way in, but then to get out of it, it's this big, you know, it's a quagmire. And so it, it just seems there's so much going on at the moment, like on every front. It's like we're under, uh, you know, total onslaught of all these yeah. different um, agendas. But. Yeah, very much so. And um, and it is by design. I do believe it's by design. Um, it's they're, they're just, just throwing everything at us, left, right and centre. And this... Uh, CETA agreement, uh, along with the hate this, this nefarious hate speech laws, laws, which is another thing where you has to has to stop, uh, has to be stopped. Um, and I don't think, and I, I'm afraid that people, the majority, don't realise how seriously dangerous these are, and will think nothing, will not think twice about it, and before we know it, they'll be in place. And as I said, and as you mentioned there as well, that. Um, It'll be years before anything. It, the, the red tape will be so bad that you just won't be able to get out of it. You know, it'll be impossible to get it. Look what happened when the English, whether you agree with it or not about Brexit, look what's happened when they tried to leave, when they've left, and the mess that's been made. Can you imagine if Ireland tried to get out of the EU or indeed get out to stop anything like that from happening? I mean, I dread to think what it would be like with our shower of. Uh, uh, mid-level managers, caretaker managers for Brussels running the place. It's, um, it's, it's absolutely flabbergasting, basically, what's going on. I've seen the video there uh, with uh, Roger O'Gorman, uh, Ben Scanlon, called him out, like, and he just came out and said that the, the majority of the, the migrants are are males. Now, I know like that, that was a conspiracy theory up until today, or whenever that video was uh, published. Like, what? I, mm. It's just it's hard to make of it. Like, what what's the end game here? Like, well, I mean, there, there's a lot of videos uh, online. Uh, I I I enjoy watching some creators now. Well, well, I I don't know. I shouldn't call them content creators anymore. They're essentially the the alternate me Irish media, but um, and looking at them, um, I I think the end game is, and it lo- certainly looks to be uh, just um plantation basically uh it's another plantation um they, they tried it years ago to get rid of the irish uh the ulster plantation and whatnot and now they're doing it again except that they're coming from other continents and um i do believe it's just a it's a population um cull if you will of our culture it's like um are, like i don't know are they trying to move the 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 country like you know you've got these um the right to housing bill people are talking about are they trying to put put pressure like put people into breaking points so that they accept the solution that you know that oh you know if we just pass more legislation we can uh, we, uh you know we can if we write it into law on a piece of paper that everyone's entitled to a house um i just wonder you know with the, with the global agenda when, they, when klaus Schwab says you'll own nothing and be happy like what there you know there has to be maybe there's no rhyme or reason to it either we could could be just gone bean men like no oh you're absolutely right yeah i mean you always have to keep in the back of your mind maybe they are just idiots that don't know what well we know what we know that they don't we know they don't know what they're doing but maybe it is maybe they are just gone beans you know but uh, the best case scenario but worst case scenario is in fact you just mentioned there your man the, the the ultimate bond villain um, who said, you'll own nothing and be happy. Uh, did you see, I can't remember which paper it was, was it the Irish Daily Mail 
on Saturday had uh, your man from uh, what's his name uh, Higgins, uh, the president Higgins, um, saying that owning a owning a house is overrated. I can't remember the exact exact headline on the paper, but it was like too many people have been are putting too much emphasis on owning on owning your own home. He said that was actually the front headline. So there's definitely some agenda going. There's no doubt about it. And in fact, I have a little theory as well. Uh, I, you, you know, have you seen and have you witnessed where I work now, for example, in town and everywhere you look, there's a new hotel going up everywhere you look. It's crazy. And um, and I have a theory that they're not actually hotels, that they're actually refugee centers. And they're purposely building these, and this is where they live. Or if they're not refugee centres, they're co-living habitat places. You know, what Fine Gael tried to push a few years ago under Owen Murphy. Because it's just crazy the amount of... Uh, everywhere you look, uh, they want to knock something down to build a hotel. Yeah, just now that you said that, um, I had shared something earlier on that. I, I, I nearly fell out of me standing when I seen it. It was on the journal. I think it was today. It says... Uh, the businesswoman claims one million wrongly used to renovate a hotel um, housing Ukrainian refugees. Um, Yvonne Tracy um, says the money from a farm jointly owned by her husband would use it without her, her consent or permission. So basically what happened was, there, you know, there must be something going on in the, in the company between the husband and wife. They're, they're, maybe they're not together. But he had used the one million to renovate this hotel. And now the hotel is housing Ukrainian refugees and the income is 490000 uh, per month um, is what that hotel is now generating after the after the investment like yeah that's, I, just one, I, that's just one case like and that's just one exactly i saw that i read that earlier all right um oh be under no illusion there's a lot of people making a lot of money out of this um the there's a, a very lovely hotel actually uh not far from me where i am at the moment and it's been closed for, um, was it before COVID, I think, about three years? Um, just slightly, no, no, actually, I beg your pardon. It was during COVID when it closed down, when it, when they had, everywhere had to close, sorry. But it never reopened, unfortunately. And however, we found out there a couple of weeks ago, uh, guess what? <laughs> it's open, reopened, of course, and full of refugees or whatever they are, fake UGs, whatever they are. And I think the Birkin was talking yesterday that they're repurposing like there's people out there now who who are like they're people it's like it's like human trafficking that's a good way of putting it maybe that's the, the terminology we should be using because people are being human trafficked into the country and then there's NGOs making money off the back of it those hoteliers making money off the back of it there's every Tom Dick and Harry seems to make money off the back of it so it, it, maybe we should just call it human trafficking and um I can't remember. I had another point there, but um, it's the it's just the colossal sums of money that are involved, and it's definitely um, some kind of free for all. Oh, absolutely! People are making fortunes. And speaking of NGOs, that uh, that's another thing that has to be tackled. Seven billion a year of taxpayers' money going down, going to those people who are actively working against the public good. And also remember as well that with, uh, that, that money also funds their paramilitary wing and Tifa. So it was shocking yeah. action there actually carried out against the National Party um, a couple of weeks back. Um, uh, absolutely shocking. Um, silence, of course, from the media, you know. 
But um, that's another thing that th th those NGOs need seriously defunding. Uh, that that they, they were bust up there to to cause harm and people hit with hammers and the, the main yeah. the main political parties completely uh, silent on it and um and that's tacitly agreeing to it whatever your politics are that's an attack on democracy in my mind Do you know what I mean that's people peacefully assembling taking part in the political process that we have lawfully and legally um assaulted but that that was the point actually I wanted to make on the human trafficking thing it, it's these people seem to be um putting a price on people's heads so you know there's a price to, to a hotel what a refugee is worth there's a price to um an elder an old folks home what, what an elderly person is worth to look after uh, per week and now it seems that um maybe there's more money in the in the in the trafficking of uh, immigrants that there's um old folks homes being repurposed to house them or and people shutting shuttering them on purpose because it makes more better business sense to house a bunch of um migrants then to actually look after elderly have you heard anything on that i have I, I i was reading a little bit about that actually over the last while um about that about the old folks homes being closed down but i think in the it was in the george bernard show i think put it best um put it if you put an irish man on a spit and you'll always find another irish man to turn the handle you know um unfortunately uh greed and nimbyism and i'm all right jack and uh has unfortunately uh just it just kind of money speaks to Irish, the, uh, a lot of Irish people more than anything else, sadly. And they will actually do this to their own. And that's actually something um, that I always was amazed about, about Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. They, you know, they, they are actively destroying the country and yet they're Irish. Well, what did the country ever do to them? You know, um, what did the country ever do to these hoteliers? Uh, you know, I mean, they can't bring the money with them. So I always wondered, I always, I, I, you know, you can kind of, well, not that you can understand, but you can, you, see, you can see from a point of view why the British did it because they were British and, well, they were from a different country and they didn't care about the people in this country. But we're now getting it done to us, I, I, I dare say worse, by Irish, which I think is shocking, dreadful. I think that, yeah, you're right. And just when you were saying that, it kind of popped into my head. Like years ago, you would have had them that they, Maybe like Charlie Hawhey, they were spending too much on ties or stuff, but maybe they would have had more, you know, of a nationalistic outlook. Where now they're being monitored, they're not. They're not monitored enough. Don't get me wrong, but they're, what basically what I'm trying to say is they're feathering their nest abroad, so they're getting their salary here. And this whole idea with Klaus Schwab and his young young global leaders, the whole idea of having one more females in, and I'm not going to deep into that one, and more this young global leaders idea is that. They're looking to, you know, I'm going to be in politics for eight years. What am I going to do next? So they're they're not loyal to us. They're loyal to, am I going to be in Europe or am I going to be in the in the in Brussels or in the World Economic Forum or on this, on some board of some? And that's actually something I want to talk to you about now in a few minutes, actually, about the lobbying and that. But we won't go into that yet. But it just this whole idea of the young global leaders. I think it is so that they can they're to have have little sellouts for Klaus Schwab basically. Yeah, yeah, but um, it's it's crazy though. It's all of them, bar maybe one or two. I don't know. So, for example, I think maybe Michael McNamara could be a good guy. Maybe um, 
I, I, I don't trust any of them, to be honest. To be, I'll tell you a very quick story. Um, I initially was a great um, a supporter of Stephen Donnelly. And I went to his speeches when he was with Social Democrats and even beforehand and went to his speeches in the Red Cow in Dublin. And he talked about impassioned speeches. People stood and applauded him, you know, and he literally talked about it selling out at the very first opportunity. So is that was it all a lie? Is it all a lie from them? Or is it when they get that bit of power they see the money they can make, and is that what it is that this, that takes over, or are they always just lying from the start? You know, um, not only Stephen Donnelly. You you probably remember how Shane Ross used to tear strips off Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael when he was in opposition, and he gets a little bit of power, and he becomes one of the worst ever. So I often. they're handed these as i said uh, caretaker managers if they're in the private sector at best um, that amount they can they can for themselves or is it they get in and they realize oh we actually can't do anything the country is so gone it's so screwed it's so controlled by the ngos and the uh, unions and quangos and whatever else the hell we set up for the last hundred years that we literally it's pointless trying to do anything so I often wonder, it has to be one or the other, or indeed maybe both. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's personal gain, and I think you're right. Maybe they're, I wouldn't even give them the out that, oh, their hands are tied, because I think um, they just, they lack the fortitude or whatever else to, um, you know, they seem to be spineless. And a lot of it is going with the prevailing, um, what they perceive as the public opinion. They're kind of like, putting their finger in the wind on a lot of issues. But like, I wanted to talk to you about the the freedom of speech thing. Like, wh- how do you think that is going to... Ha- um, what effect do you think that legislation will have on um, like regular folks like ourselves unless um, it's stopped? Well, if you th- I mean, when you think about it, the um, it, you, you're basically not going to be able to say anything. You know, um, well, I, I remember I did a video about two years ago on the, well, I've actually done several videos on the hate speech uh, 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 legislation, but one in particular I did about a year ago, I think it was, and Helen McEntee said about the, the legislation, um, now I can't remember exactly her word, but it was something like um, that a crime can be investigated as, as a potential hate crime by Gardaí if it goes through. So, they could they they're literally able to going to be able to say is it a hate crime is it not a hate crime you know and it's, it actually sounds like a thought crime um and another thing that has to be asked is who's going to determine what hate speech is you know it should never be wrong to ask questions obviously but the tagline of my channel is question everything um to 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 want to look at something from a different perspective and if we when we saw that a ten thousand time fold during covid nobody looked at anything from a different perspective as in the irish media it was all draw toe the line um the the problem with it is is that the publics our public servants the government need to be held to question at all times but they obviously don't want this um Social media like Telegram, YouTube, 
uh, Odyssey and whatnot taints their false image that is portrayed by RTE. And if, again, unfortunately, when the hate speech legislation goes through, um, it will be a step closer to stamping all that out. So the likes of me and you and all loads of other people, I'm actually surprised I'm still on YouTube, but I am very careful with my words, what I say. And I guess that's why I've kind of fallen under the radar a little bit. And even though I believe YouTube have relaxed their rules and regulations uh, of late. But um, that's what it means, basically. Sorry, it's one area of what it means. Um, that voices, independent voices, voices asking questions won't be allowed. Um, McEntee also said um, it was that she that she wanted to ensure that the legislation would be. Uh, um, um, so I have it written down. I'm going to read it out because I quote what she says here. I want to assure people that this legislation will be proportionate, specific, and clear. There will be no confusion as to what constitutes criminal hate speech. Now, when I remember when I read that first, I, all I could do was laugh. Specific, clear, but no confusion, says a, says a Fine Gael politician. As part of history and very recent history has proven, these people will not deliver anything of the sort. Nothing. They're, um, they're, it's, it's beyond it, it's galling. Like, my opinion is that um, unless you're calling for violence or you know something like that that you should be allowed to speak your mind and that you know the bad um the answer to bad ideas is you know good ideas you know what i mean and just basic stuff that i would have thought would have been set in stone but obviously they're worrying now i i presume dan it's that it, it's also the report and what i've noticed a lot in when i'm reading these reports is i read one there monday that there's a guy on going around on dublin bus um uh, masturbating in front of young ladies it's been yeah i read that. multiple events yeah but there's no like it's just a guy it's a man now i, I like I, I remember growing up we used to look at it was a crime watch or crime call or whatever it was you'd have a tuesday night every now and then but you get used to have photo fists you'd have a description of the perpetrator and i presume that would be to in public safety one they can help to uh apprehend a perpetrator two it's to keep yourself safe in case you know what i mean or whatever you, you have an id but so is this the type of thing? So, you know, there's no, I never see the, the perpetrators being described in any of these articles anymore. And that seems, to, is that a new thing? Um, well, it, it, well, it, it, I remember that as well, actually, as you were saying there about the, um, you know, crime call or whatever it was called. And you get the photo etcher, the photo fish uh, picture of the person, you know, and please call this number if you see somebody fit matching the description, you know. But it has to be said, it has to be queried as to why they're not uh, given, um, they're not telling the public, uh, like, obviously they don't know, probably don't know the name, but what they look like. Because why? what does that tell you? The person is an Irish, most, most likely. Because I guarantee you actually, come to think of it now, if they were Irish, they would be saying it. Look at the uh, that poor lady that was murdered going out for a run a few, uh, there, a few months back. And it was a, na- a foreign nationalist did it. And media silence since. Um, those poor two guys in Sligo murdered. And as soon as it was found out it was a Muslim guy, um, the silence from the media. You know, so that's what makes me think, oh, well, obviously they're not Irish. And in fact, then was it a couple of days later after that poor girl was murdered, um, 
the, the some fluff piece in the Times, I think it was, that somebody it mentioned no names, it mentioned no places, but uh, some wood, some woods somewhere, a woman was attacked with a man with an Irish accent. <laughs> it made me laugh. So I thinking that the reason why that guy that's doing that in the bus is not being uh, given any sort of profile is because he's not Irish. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And, and it is only a new thing. Because normally they give you a height and a description and whatever. Like it, It's fairly basic stuff. You, you see it in, in the past here. And it's on just any movie or television show. Freaking Law and Order or whatever. You, oh, you know, yeah, it, yeah. Of course. I mean, you would see, you know, even, even basic f- five foot ten black hair glasses. Do you know? Not see, and I think this is the... I'm not saying that's what the hate speech law is to stop that that type of reporting, but it 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 is a similar. It ties into the thing, like oh, I I, know, I, no, I don't think the hate speech. No, the, I think the fact that they're not saying, uh, like giving you a, de- a detailed description. Obviously, the person who reported it had a very good look at him. Too much, in fact, but. The I know I believe they're not saying it because he's not Irish. It's not nothing to do with the hate speech. It's it's so it's so people won't say, "Oh, look, another non-nationalist doing this kind of stuff." Be perceivably in the future, like uh, under the hate speech law, would it be considered hate speech for for you to say like whatever? There's a disproportionate amount of crime with X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, ethnic nationality or whatever else. Like, is that is that the type of thing that will be covered in this hate speech law, where you oh, won't be allowed to identify it? In public? You you won't be once once they are once they are determined to be, um, you know, what wh- whatever race, whatever religion, whatever sexuality, fake or not, um, th- that that's what it's going to protect in, in, in all the wrong ways. You know, obviously, everybody has to have protection. Everybody has rights to, yeah, like to be the, able to walk down the street Sweden, and, and and be safe. Remember, yeah, remember in Sweden that time after the, I think it was the Syrian uh, fiasco, that there was um, an uptick in um, sexual assault and whatever else. I don't know if Sweden or Germany, but it was it went through the roof. It but was like Sweden. The, yeah, to Sweden. So if you if you were to name that after these laws come in, do, does that does it would that be considered hate speech to say that you know that there's migrant sexual assault uh, and and to identify it and, and put it on it, or we have to stick at it, it's a man. Like, it, the thing oh. actually, you know, the Ashley Murphy thing was very similar as well, you know, where it's Irish um, mammies need to have a talk with their sons about, you know... Exactly, exactly. And, and and that monster, Varadkar, coming out with saying all men are bad... What did he say? It was something like uh, all... Uh, um, the, like he blaming all men, basically Bl- blaming everybody, and knowing damn well that it wasn't Irish men doing it. You know, um, the, the 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 that guy was it is it a radio personality? I can't think of his name. That's that, uh, or I think he's an Irish guy or Northern Ireland or uh, Republic. I can't remember, but he said that uh, there should be a curfew for for all men. This was after the the, the poor um, Ashton Murphy incident. And um, so, so yeah, I, I would say what the hate speech is going to do, it's going to protect people, which is a good thing, of course, but disproportionately. So if you will not be able to say if you're sitting in a pub and you're you turn to the guy beside you and you say something that could be considered hate speech. 
you could be brought up in charges for it. It is literally a thought crime. It's literally 1984. I mean, it, 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 it's just dreadful. And the likes of people... Now, I don't know how how um, safe, we'll say, obviously YouTube will shut you down in a blink of an eye, but I don't know how safe the likes of Odyssey are and BitChute and that, those kind of things. But um, that's where everybody's going to have to go. I know a lot of people are there already. But uh, the likes of YouTube, all the, the well, I'm not, I'm not on Twitter or any of those things. I hate them. But th- th- they won't, that law will be gone as soon as those, that, that legislation passes. The, um, the, 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 the days of being able to speak freely is over. And it's, it's, it's just dreadful. The, there is, of course, um, a rally on the 3rd of December. Um, and I hope, I really hope it's, uh, well, people turn up to it. I really do. I think they will. I think it will be fairly big, actually. But um, that's the, uh, the the one on the third of December uh, at O'Connell Bridge. The I just hope and um, just to slightly change the subject, if you don't mind. But at this rally for free speech, defending free speech, um, the I sincerely hope I don't see posters or banners saying "Don't take our rights away, Helen," because it's something it's a bugbear of mine it it drives me insane this whole first name uh basis with politicians is shocking it really is and um when they see people with don't take our rights away helen or no more leo or give us a break me hall they're just laughing at you you know it, it, it's and i hope now not to see anything like that i think we can safely say the um the controlled oppositions like Profit Before People and Sinn Féin—they won't be there. We can, we know that for a fact, anyway. And I'm, I have no doubt the media won't cover it. Um, I did a video actually uh, recently on how to spot government control at protests, and that's basically two of the points. Um, it, um, the media cover it, and Sinn Féin turn up, and Paul Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 was that the cost of living protest? They completely, you know, oh, come out in front of it, uh, you know, trying to yeah, yeah, completely, completely um, controlled, controlled by by uh, the by the by the government, completely controlled. The um, it was like um, initially uh, the um, the anti Irish water marches, and the first one was something to behold. I don't think I I can't remember the last time I felt as proud. The day I walked in that march, it was something to behold. It was unbelievable to behold. And that evening, I think it was that evening, and Enda Kenny was the was the um, uh, Taoiseach at the time, and he, you could actually see the fear in his eyes. His voice was actually quivering with with, with fright because he no no Irish politician had seen anything like it for I don't know how long. The um, and then what happened? To the uh, Irish Water Marches, Sinn Fein took over. Paul Murphy started turning up. Uh, people, I, I remember going to one, and I saw a poster that Mary Lou Macdonald will be saying, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, giving a speech. And I went, oh. And then I turned around, and a guy with a paper mache tap on his head. I just turned around, went home, and that was the last protest I went to uh, of those type. It was great to see the the protest in East Wall and uh, the poster of um, Mary Lou. And yes, it was. I, I thought that was great. 
Uh, that's not going to do them any favours. But of course, your man, the Sinn Féin guy came out and basically called everybody a racist and a xenophobe and all this nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And and of course, the media made up lie from the media of the far right, which, as you as you and I both know, don't exist, doesn't exist in Ireland. Um, no, it, it's like neuro-linguistic uh, programming or something. Because your man got up, like, and it was the cringiest thing I ever seen in my life. Like, well, and I'm not saying, look, he, he's down for, you know, the supporting people that are their years or whatever. But he's like, you know, we voted for him and all this. It's like, really, it was condescending or something, the way he was speaking. And he, he was heckled and whatever else. But uh, it, it's like they want people to be afraid of that. So it's, you have to be afraid to speak. You have to be afraid of the label racist. You have to be afraid to be labeled uh, far right. And um, even you have sometimes you have to check yourself because you end up framing it. Well, you have to start. Oh, but I'm not racist, and it's just something that people have to get out of doing and not excusing themselves because it's not about racism at all. It's it's about we're full now. Do you know what I mean? There's enough, you know. And yeah, it's yeah. Taxpayer money. It's it's not fair that that the taxpayer should be burdened. But you know and what I mean. Like, and then and everything yes. else. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And it's also like, like you said about the, uh, you know, being labeled a far right. It's like, um, the, uh, uh, people had to say, well, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but <laughs> you know, this, and this, this label of anti-vaxxer just like was, was stamped on everybody if they said boo, you know, and it, it's crazy. The programming, you see, this is yeah, the well, program, oh, very much people so. are terrified very much so. to be labeled into that. So I think that's what's going on with like the protest in East Wall as well. It's like, I don't know whoever got in there. Well, you're not associated. You know, there's elements here. There's there's far oh, elements. Oh, you know, elements. Fear, and then they're like, oh, Ginny, well, I'm not far right now. I just, you know, this kind of, yes. it's all hurting people, you know, <laughs> like, and oh, it's trying shocking. to manipulate. Yeah, oh, it is. It is. And it's just a, a made up lie from the media, you know, to label any, any dissenting voices. That, that, that's all it is, you know. But the thing is, and if Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the media, uh, keep treating the Irish like they're treating them, like second-class citizens in their own country. Uh, if there's any, as if there is anybody listening from the media, be very careful what you wish for, because this is exactly how a far right rise, a real far right rises. Without a doubt, that and that is without a doubt, and it's you wonder um, what the rationale behind it is. I seen um, there was something published. I don't know if it was a, a poll, one of these Ipsos polls or something, but it was from four or five years ago, and it was uh, around the immigration issue. And it was there hasn't been a poll done since. But supposedly, the Sinn Fein grassroots were had voted overwhelmingly um, negatively towards mass immigration. Now this poll, mind you, was five or six years old, and the Fine Gael had um, voted. They were voted overwhelmingly positive attitude uh, towards it so what's happening is like th these parties are are pushing policies that aren't popular with their base um and they don't care what their opinions are do you know what i mean that they're trying to hoodwink people like the Sinn Féin yeah. and that so the the average Sinn Féin voter when he finally wakes up and realizes what's after happening he you know they're going to be looking for alternatives because you, you can't just keep pushing an unpopular po policy the absolute cheek of them to say that we have um that we have uh, uh, an obligation to these people. We don't have any obligation to them. Do you know what I mean? And, and I wonder when they say that the obligation, it must be some agreement they wrote down without our knowledge somewhere over off abroad or something. That must be the obligation because, you know, the Irish people don't have an obligation to, to house the whole world when we can't look after our own people. 
Oh, very much so. Very much so. The um, uh, they're, they're they're clearly uh, getting their orders from you know from Brussels or Berlin or wherever they're getting their orders from. But um, I I don't think they have a choice. Basically, so kind of going back to what I was saying there um, a few minutes ago about is it are they just doing it for the money? Are they or is it that because they realise they can't do anything? And I do believe that. I think it is very possible that. They they don't they don't have a choice, you know. They 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 get they get uh, elected and they're literally like handed handed a, a a dossier saying this is what you have to do and you can't. So w- this is why they're all pro immigration. I mean, it's insane, you know. Uh, open borders also, is insanity. Yeah, yeah. I just think it, it comes down to it all. You look at, you think they just hate the people. They just hate the people, or that like. This year, for example, they put a tax on candles. On candles, like what? What? What possessed them to put a twenty percent tax on? And they weren't the scented candles. We're not talking about Yankee candles or anything like that. They're plain candles that you'd use in a blackout. Tea lights. They've put a twenty percent tax on. And I know it's not. It's not something small. But you just think: Are these people? Do they have way much? Way too much time in their hands that they're sitting around? How can we uh, shaft the Irish people uh, again today? Yeah, they come out and they say that they come out and they say that uh, oh, we might have power outages over the winter, and 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 then they put and they raise the prices of candles because they know people are going out buying candles. It's just utter. It, it's just sickening. It, it's um, it's unbelievable. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I just wanted to say on the on the freedom of speech rally. Yeah, I hope everyone does go there. But also, is there any other things that people could do? Like, lo- is lobbying the local uh, councillors would that be effective, or lobbying the TDs, like ringing well, mail, email, and whatever? Yeah, well, I have a, I have a thing about that now. When I started speaking out first, uh, was the whole Irish water nonsense, as you mentioned in the intro there, and basically, um, the apartment block I lived in. Uh, we received threats from the management company, uh, sign up or get evicted, essentially. It's what, the, it's what they told us. And I remember standing there going, no, 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 th- th- this is wrong, you know. But I remember, and I did, I was, I went and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to contact the local councillors. I'm going to contact the local TDs. Um, I actually lived in, in, um, in Dublin, city centre at the time. And the, and then I went, wait a minute. Sure, the local councillors and the local TDs are Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Sure, sure they're not going to do anything, you know. Um, equally, no point in contacting the management company because who do you think they're getting their orders from? So that's why, no, to answer your question, I don't think it's worth it because a Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael councillor or TD aren't going to do anything. You know, you, you can certainly email them and maybe they'll get hundreds of emails or thousands of emails and maybe they will mention it, but it's not going to go anywhere. You know, there, uh, I, 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 anybody who joins Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have to, have to follow the whip system. They can't, they can't step out of line. And so that's why I think contacting them is a waste of time. The only thing that they're going to, like how we, I, I know, unfortunately, Irish water is still there, but the only way we'd, we ended the privatization or temporarily halted it anyway, uh, was non-compliance. And that's what everybody has to do, just not comply. Imagine two years ago, if everybody went, masks, I'm not wearing a mask. What would happen? 
no masks you know uh what if every uh, uh or every restaurant and pub and hotel said covid passes no way We're not using them they would never have happened you know that's a, that's what it is it's non-compliance and real i i'm not a fan because of the my uh because of what i've seen over the years with the um protests being sabotaged and controlled i'm not a biggest fan of um protests to be honest however the likes of what's going on in east wall is wonderful hopefully the third of december at the free speech rally that will be wonderful hopefully but again please please no give us a break helen posters and um, because it, it, when they see that when these politicians see people with paper mache taps on their head and give us a break leo posters they're laughing at their in their private bar at you you know these people aren't your friends they're not that they are they hate you basically you know and walking around with stupid masks on or whole or capes or whatever you see these people in what was the one there was it last year i think it was an anti-lockdown one but would again when they were uh, the wonderful first one at customs house which was fantastic that was the last one i was at but then of course they became they became um controlled and you had bands playing with signs saying hire us for your next protest i mean there, no member of Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael are taking that seriously. None, not one. They're laughing at you for 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 even being there. Now I know, and I don't want to label everybody in the same light because I understand a lot of people are genuinely going to these protests because they think it's good. It's a good thing. But as I said, if the media cover it days beforehand or a week beforehand, saying, "Ah, uh, you know, such and such a protest is happening on Saturday." Uh, if you're getting Sinn Féin turning up and profit before people and Paul Murphy, well, then I'm afraid you're at nothing. This is it, yeah. People before puberty. That's what I call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard that one before. <laughs> that's, that's what that's they want, one. yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, which are, we've hit a lot of stuff. Um, wanted to talk to you about the, the lobbying situation because you've done a good video on that. Is there much scope for corruption within that process that you outline in the video there? Um, just give us a, a quick rundown on this, just so people know what we're talking about here, the, the lobbying that goes on within the government in between the departments and the, the NGOs or whatever. Yeah, so basically, um, the in the 1930s, I, I, I won't go too much into it because it's, it's a big, big, big subject, but um, in the 1930s, Fianna Fáil um, allowed for selective decision-making in, issu in issuing of licenses and leases. So basically, government departments now had the power to pick and choose who was going to be on the playing field when it, come when it came to building things and whatnot, you know? And this led to decades and decades of scandals and tribunals, all wastes of taxpayers' money, of course. But... So basically what's happening and what has been happening, but one big story that dropped recently was that it was found out that dozens of former government officials who, who lobbied TDs and senior figures incorrectly appeared as ordinary lobbyists on the register of lobbying. So basically um, the public officials, um, if you're a public official or even a, for, sorry, a former public official, you have to register yourself on the lobbying register as i was a government official 
and but they but they didn't there was there was 379 returns including former uh, former labor minister rory quinn was one of them and he was basically down as a a normal lobbyist so basically what he was doing and they did this full well knowing what they were doing uh, was he using his influence and past connections he was he was influencing ministers for their benefit and this has been going on for decades and it is one of the major root causes of corruption in ireland um not one of them of course as we know has a moral moral or ethical fiber between them but the and then of course you get the toothless nonsense like uh, standards in public office calling for action the only reason we have things like Transparency Ireland International or whatever it's called and standards in public office is to dupe the public into thinking politicians can be held to account. It's the only reason they exist. Um, the So basically the lobbying has been going on for years and um, what they're doing is they're junior ministers, they're ministers, they're walking out of their, of their position in government with their little black book of phone numbers and then they're going to the company and then they're so, and then they're saying to the company, "Oh, sure, I have no problem at all. I know all these ministers. I know all these. I'll get you the license. I'll get you the the leases for whatever you need." I, I, as I said, it's a major, major root cause of corruption in Ireland. Has been and been going on for decades since the thirties. Actually, um, you could go back to nineteen thirty-five, uh, the Wicklow Gold scandal, the Wicklow Gold Tribunal, which was the very first one. The very first tribunal was Wicklow Gold. Oh, and then it always like makes acting like fixers, is it? They're kind of like Sorry? acting like a fixer. They're kind of acting like a fixer, is it? Like yes, I yeah, want yeah. prospect gold or something, and uh, you know, I there. It's like pay for access type of a thing. Is exactly, it? exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like all the um all the tribunals over the years. A lot of the tribunals over the years, and basically what was found out was all these politicians, as we know, the infamous Galway tents, the brown envelope payoffs, um, it was all. Uh, I want to. I want to build this, um, and uh, I want to do this. Here's a little bit for your money. You remember what was his name? There was it a couple of year, few years back. Uh, the guy from Monaghan who was caught on camera. The councillor, uh, the Monaghan councillor. I'll think of his name now in a second. Who was caught on camera looking for uh, 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 loads of money, loads of sterling, and he was caught on camera saying it. And uh, Monaghan guy can't think of his name right now. And of course, you have uh, of course then you had recently Robert Troy, uh, who was essentially using his position and his contacts to launder money. And that is essentially what it was. He was laundering money. And by the way, me saying something like that could get me five years in jail if uh, McEntee's hate speech laws goes through. <laughs> but that's what he was uh, doing. Uh, Troy, he was he was laundering money. Uh, making a fortune out of it and using his contacts uh, to to better himself to to make more money, and that's that's essentially what the lobbying is as well. Yeah, um, I I think there was um, a report there that the two guys left the government and, and went to work for a company that had got seventeen million or something during the pandemic. Now I can't remember; I shouldn't probably quote it without the specifics. But they basically the government had awarded seventeen million of a contract. It was. What's the name? Sep or Sir or something. I can't think of the name of the company now. But um, the two lads go off into, to work in, in that company after there was such huge contracts awarded during the pandemic. They, they're kind of feathering their nests, uh, you know. And Oh, very and much so. Yeah. 
very much so until they get a get a job on one of those boards or of course some cushy eu number you know um but i as i was saying in that video uh about the lobbying the lobbying one that uh i'm sure this time lessons will be learned though you know and a few of them will roll out their inside joke of unreservedly apologizing or apologizing unreservedly because i'm convinced that is an inside joke um they see which one said which last but whatever happens, if any, not if anything will happen, don't worry. None of them will be made pay in, in the current situation and the way oh. it's set up. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I wonder that uh, just before we're getting to time, but I, I seen a report this week that um, there was five hundred k of the the new sacrament had been uh, administered, and uh, science moves so fast these days. And um, what's your thoughts on 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 this whole? fiasco that's still continuing the, the latest one i think they done test on four mice i think for or maybe five mice i can't remember the, the specific number but there's five hundred thousand of them after taking it what's your thoughts on, on this madness will this be <laughs> one of the well, things that breaks the the system like I, I don't mean um i mean when it comes to light the the, the collateral damage that the government were willing to take on this will shock most people when it comes to life because they knew they knew all the stats and and, and you know what i mean yeah. they there was yeah. a there was a certain collateral damage they were willing to take and they're still taking but um what's your thoughts on it and the, this whole situation and of course the, the 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 wonderful speed of science the um the what the hell is the speed of science but anyway uh was it the what was that chap he's on telegram he rang pfizer helpline asking them what the speed of science was i thought that was very funny yeah but, yes, brilliant. Uh, yes yes yeah he was very good uh but i tell you before these injections were rolled out and i i'm not just and i genuinely mean this i in all honesty i knew not of one person that got the vicious virus as donnelly called it you know um they not not one. I mean, literally not one person. What such a some pandemic, wasn't it? The uh, literally not one person. Uh, the, our my neighbour is actually the the um, estate. Uh, what do you call it? He collects the money and everything. The, oh God, I can't think what what he's called. But I even asked him. He knows everybody, and I asked him. I said, um, "Is has any, do you know anybody that's got it or died or anything?" And this was during the height of 2020, 2021. He goes, "Not one." He said, "Not one." Now, saying that, since the rollout of the injections, in particular now the boosters, there's far too many people getting sick and side effects. In work, a guy got the booster, was rushed to hospital with chest pains, and he does, and, and oh, they're all baffled as to what happened. Um, a, a, a neighbor uh, in her 50s um, uh, collapsed. Um, and a couple of months, a few months ago now, a couple of months ago, diagnosed with epilepsy. And um, they're so convinced now, believe it or not, they're so convinced that COVID caused the epilepsy, not the booster, COVID caused the epilepsy, that they got their second booster. They, 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 you know, there's no there's no talking to them at all. You know, there just there just isn't. The um, it's 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 incredible, and there's so many. Uh, another another work colleague, and he uh, was an avid avid sport into sports, avidly into sports, constantly doing every evening. He was playing something or cycling something or swimming something, and blood clots. Was out of work for for God, I'm it was about six weeks. Blood clots in his leg uh, from the booster, but but of course we know it was the booster, but they don't. They have no idea what caused it. 
is the thing. This is the thing, and it's what we you were supposed to give the disclaimer, you know, that uh, that you know you have to seek the professional help from your doctor, and you know get their input on it because they're still recommending them to protect people against uh, severe illness and death. Like that's the yeah. mantra. Yeah. So, um, and even know. with the 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 Dutch uh, Robert Ruse, um, the, the the Dutch politician who basically got the truth out of the Pfizer one, and I mean, it should be headline news everywhere. That should be that should be headline front headline everywhere, and completely, completely ignored. And only the other night, I very, very rarely watch television. Um, but I was flicking through. There was actually a, a documentary I wanted to see, and I was flicking through the channels, and I came across two uh, get your boosters this winter. And have you noticed actually how this year? Uh, yeah, amazingly, the flu is back. That that left for a while, but it's back now. But have you noticed that it's called the flu vaccine now? It was never called a vaccine before. It was always the jab or the, 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 flu, the flu shot or the flu jab. Now it's a vaccine. And I was in a chemist the other day and I purposely said it to them because I wanted to see what the answer was came back to me. And I said, sorry, do you do the, uh, the flu jabs around here? She goes, oh, the vaccines, yes. <laughs> It's very strange. Um, I don't know. It, it is like I was, I was talking to Thomas Sheridan during the weekend, saying it is like a, it's like a religious thing. Like that's why I said they're like the sacrament to them, the latest one. Um, oh yes, and like, oh absolutely, yeah, I yeah, very much so. The whole thing, the speed of science, and and the whole lot. I just hope that um, they are as safe and effective as they've been said. That they, uh, look, I know we know the, the everything that you've just said. But I hope because there's so many of them being administered and sure all their families and everything have taken them that that it's um that just what we've seen so far is it, basically. Because yeah. I mean, like you they're talking up R S V, aren't they as well, and talking about, you know, tree pronged uh, sicknesses and you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I I saw it from the, the Irish water um year or so that the, the majority of people f- fell in line and did exactly now. Now, granted, nobody really signed up to it, but all of a sudden, people who were protesting were called, oh, you just want free everything, you scrounger, you know? So for, so going from that to being called a tinfoil hat nut job, it really wasn't a surprise to me, you know? Um, I mean, two years ago, I was warning people about the jab passports are coming, and I was called a scaremonger, uh, tinfoil hat nut job. I was, oh, I got loads of people unsubscribing because they said, How can you talk about these lies? And even though I said to them, I said, But what are you talking about lies? The Bill Gates himself said it in April 2020 that ev- eventually, you know, the way he talks, that droll, um, eventually people will need passes to go from country to country. He said it in April 2020. But yet when you say it to them, no, 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 you're a tinfoil hat nut job. But that's why it didn't surprise me over the last couple of years, the Irish war, after the Irish water thing, that being called an anti-vaxxer, this and that, you know, because the majority will always fall in line. They'll support the top five, ten teams in football because everybody else does, terrified to stand out and don't question anything, you know. So, as I said, being labelled an anti-vaxxer and everything else didn't come as much a surprise at all, not after the Irish water thing. You know, I have I had to leave my job, had to leave, quit the gym. Uh, that that was a kick in the teeth, I'll admit. But I found another job, a better hours, 
and they're not as obsessed with COVID as the last lot, which was off the charts insanity. This will tell you how bad it got. Um, the programming, the, the the public programming in work that we had to, we had to have a we had to fill out a spreadsheet of what shot you got, the date you got it, when your second shot and was due, and your booster shots. And I'm like, so I, I, I said, but, 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 like, what about GDPR? <laughs> you know, what about privacy? Say, shut up, save your granny, save your granny. You know, just insane. It, off the wall and uh, insanity it was. I had to leave, had to get out. I know people say, you know, you should have held on, but no, 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 thank you. Plenty for doing it because I, I think it did, it separated not the men from the boys and a lot, a lot of people, um, went along to get along and a lot of people held out for months and, and went and, and went and got the things at the very end of it all before the country opened back up. I think everyone involved in, in that that didn't get psyoped is what I would say or mm. uh, NLP'd into it should pat themselves on the back because oh, yeah, and, so and, and, <laughs> No, absolutely. And I, you know, and in fairness now, and I don't want to tarnish, again, not, not everybody deserves it because some people were forced you know, and coerced into taking it. I know, I know personally a couple of people that said, if I don't get it, I lose my job. I can't lose my job. So they had to get it. So those people, I hope, I, I sincerely hope that they're okay. You know, it's the people that laughed and posted up online. Ha ha. Look at, we're in a pub with our passes, you know, and all those anti-vaxxers are out in the cold. It's those people that don't deserve any sympathy. They don't deserve any amnesty. They deserve nothing. I have to agree with you, and I know it, it doesn't look like it yet, but I, I hope and pray that someday we will get um, accountability from those in charge, and there should be a, an apology, and, and it, it should never, it needs to be stopped, that never happens again. But I know we're just tight for time, but I wanted to mention that on the, uh, was it the G20, like they are bringing out these health passports um, at a G20 level. Yes, they are. Yeah, uh, again, unfortunately, um, a lot of people think that the passes are gone. Um, I, I think they might be gone for uh, pubs and restaurants, may perhaps, yeah. But I definitely think, for, for now anyway, but I definitely think they're coming back because the G20 thing uh, and the one in, in India, is it India, uh, is the other one that's on now. And I saw an interview with one of them um, saying that they want to bring them back. And in, in, include a, a vaccine, uh, your your, va your vaccine status, your vaccination status, and all that on it. So, oh, they're they're they've taken them back, but they're still there. And as you said, with the G twenty thing, uh, oh, they will, they will, and they'll have everything on it. Now, unfortunately, that could eventually come back to restaurants and hotels and everything. But I think initially it won't. I think anyway, um, initially it will just be. Uh, flying you know going to different countries yeah it, it's kind of like the digital id thing that uh, yeah i think originally it'll be just for flying and maybe if you have a negative test or something that'll do but mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. the, the bigger picture with it is probably for yeah, like a digital id means it's your birth or driver's license your whole health record or criminal record anything uh, anything and everything about you all on one card your education your um and then maybe connecting it to a currency that's what the the heading for down the line so it's just like what we said earlier it's just so many different things been thrown exactly thrown at us at once, you know yeah this, people. 
this is it, you see, and uh, they'll make it. Uh, they'll make it. Um, I think Dave Dave Cullen actually is one channel that I actually do regularly watch. Um, I think he's very good, but he was saying, and I do think he's right that um, they'll make it so bad for everybody that everybody will uh, just accept everything. You know, they'll they'll look to the government and say, "Please help us." You know, to, to end this. To whatever, just whatever you say, we'll do. You know, so the government will come along and say, you see this digital uh, ID, this is a great thing. You'll be able to do this, this and this. And you see, it's the likes of us. Uh, and I don't mean just the, the alternate voices. I mean, older people. Uh, well, I don't know how old you are, but I'm old. <laughs> and uh, the that what we'll see is through it. But it's, it's not us they're targeting, remember. It's the younger ones. It's the kids. Kids grow up now. They 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 don't want money. They just want to tap their phone, you know. So they think they'll think all this digital ID stuff is a wonderful idea until it's too late. But the only thing is, these regimes always fall. It might be one year, it might be a hundred years, but they do fall. They have to fall. And a much better world is coming. Hope I live to see it. I'm sure I will. I have a feeling I will. But um, they it will fall. It has to. Because this level of, I don't, when I say evil, I don't mean in the biblical sense, you know, but this level of just malevolence is crazy. Without, without a doubt, without a doubt, it's so anti-human and anti- It, it, it truly is. Everything. And I think that, I think, well, personally, I think that they have hit over the first domino in the chain reaction of their own demise. I think with the whole the way they managed the pandemic was completely, no matter what way they want to look at, whether safe and effective or not safe and effective, completely mismanaged. And we've all been vindicated in that. The, it was completely the wrong approach, uh, which is most people are, are agreeing with. I think there's a backlog of can or cancers there. And uh, oh, sure. there's a list of yeah. 15 years, if they had no other work to do, would it take them, I think it's 10 or 15 years to clear the backlog. And that's if you stop the world. So that's where we're at. But um, thanks a million, Dan. And I just want to say, um, you can get Dan's uh, channel. It's on YouTube at Dan's Mixtapes. Um, you don't mind taking a question or two, Dan? Um, before no, no, no. I'd be happy to. Hi, hi, Dan. It's um, Patricia here. It's hi, Patricia. Patricia here. Uh, thanks, thanks so much for coming on our podcast tonight. No, um, you're welcome. Yeah, I, I, I just have one question. Sorry, Gavin, I cut across you there. Um, won't be great on the. Uh, replay. Um, yeah, my question is, um, how how do you think are we going to get out of this mess? Are we going to have to go through the political route? And if we are, who who do you see, or do you see anybody that would be a front runner that we could get behind, or will we will it come from Europe, um, other countries rising up before we we start to do it? Um, well, I think. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, Patricia, Ireland will be last because Ireland likes to be the good little boy getting the pat on the head in Brussels, you know. So I think it's easier um, for Ireland will be the last. But and I do think it will come from um, from your from another country. It will start somewhere else and it will build and build and build. Um, with regards to politicians in Ireland, no, forget it. Absolutely forget it. The only way any semblance of an actual democracy can happen in Ireland is both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael need to be removed, completely removed. I don't mean lose a few seats, 
they need to go to the they need to go the way of the pro- progressive Democrats if you can remember them. Um, realistically, that's not going to happen for now. But they need to go to at least the way of Labour and be decimated, especially uh, the likes of Varadkar. That man is a danger. And I look at most politicians uh, with a feeling of revulsion. With, with Varadkar, it's it's a feeling of fear. There's, if you ever look look at him, the next time you see a picture or on television or whatever, there's nothing in his eyes. Nothing. He will destroy the country if he's allowed to. So polit- politician-wise here in Ireland, no. I don't, I don't see any, any, any hope. Not, not from the current batch. Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Greens, Labour, Democrats, uh, Sinn Féin, no, literally none of them. I th- in fact, I feel Sinn Féin will be worse in ways. I think, as you said, I think it will come from Europe, um, both by the, from the people and possibly from politicians. There could be some politicians in Ireland, or in, sorry, in Europe, that could start uh, rejecting everything. The first thing that should be done is every nobody should be allowed in government that's a member of the World Economic Forum. That's a first start. That should that should be done, um, because. But as I was saying, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, they need to go before anything can change. Because if they're still in charge, um, the, there's 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 no change, none. Because never mind the Greens or Labour or Profit Before People, none of them. Forget them, they're nothing. They're fall guys, uh, given a few years to cream money from the taxpayer. Uh, they just, they're used as a deflection tactic. Um, next, come next election, you'll see the deserved destruction of the Greens. But unfortunately, that voting anger is misplaced. They're like Labour before them and the progressive Democrats before them. They're only carrying out Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael policy. And so it doesn't matter who they go into coalition with. Um, it's Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, they need to go. Until they go, Ireland hasn't a chance. So will Sinn Féin change anything? No, they won't. As I said, probably will make it worse. But... There's one thing, one maybe positive thing that could come from Sinn Féin in government. And that is, it might, it might just make some people think, oh, well, we don't have Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael anymore. And Sinn Féin haven't burned the country down completely. So maybe I'll, next election, I'll give my vote to the Irish Freedom Party or to AIM2 or to the National Party, you know. So maybe that's how it, when we finally get the stranglehold of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, and I, sorry, I know I do go on about them, but when we finally get the, the, their stranglehold of the country away from them, maybe people will then start seeing other parties. Because once we get rid of those two main parties, the Irish media will fall in line with the, I, th- I think anyway, will fall in line with the other parties and may just give other parties a chance. But I, as I, to answer your question, though, Patricia, no, I don't think it'll come from Ireland. I think it will come from Europe and possibly other political parties in Europe. But certainly, certainly not Ireland. Unfortunately. Lovely stuff. Um, we'll take another question there. Um, hi, Barney, and a viewer question. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Yeah? I can, yes. Yeah, sorry, I just have a question about uh, lawfare. So I'm sure you're familiar with the term. Uh, Tracy O'Mahony has been engaging in a lot of that lately, trying to fight them in the courts on constitutional grounds. 
I just want to get your opinions on Tracy O'Mahony, who I think is right, and um, her tactics, and how we could potentially expand on that and fundraise for it. The money is obstacle when it comes to offer, and that's the right terms when you're fighting the government injustice with the legal system, which is obviously rigged against us, but it's definitely one avenue that we can take to protest. The political solution, as you said, in Ireland, take a long time before there's any real change. If they probably get in first, that'll be a disaster, but then that'll open up the opportunity in the future after they run the country for, you know, real political change. But that could take ages of protests and then obviously lawfare is a route. So I'd like you, your thoughts on Tracy O'Mahony and her tactics and what she's been doing. This. Um, her, I think her videos are, I think she's great. Um, uh, I've been looking at her now for a few years, for a good while now, for a good long while, from when all this ma- insanity started in 2020. And uh, I think her videos are really informative. And she's obviously highly intelligent. But I like the way she does her videos for the likes of me, you know, that doesn't understand uh, the lawyer speak, you know, the legal terms and whatnot. So she breaks it down very succinctly, I think. Um, she did a video there recently, actually, on the hate speech laws, which were um, uh, which was wonderful. That was amazing. I actually re- recently rewatched it again. But um, yeah, I think she's great, and it's good to see that there's somebody I- in that arena that's fighting uh, on that side as well. You know, so it's not just us from this from this flank, if you will. There's, they're coming from another flank as well. And she's in a position, of course, to make her voice heard, probably more than, certainly more than me anyway. But, um, and she's got a great, she's got a great following. And her course, her, um, I'm actually, to be honest, I don't know if it's, if they're married or whatnot, but um, the, her partner is um, Satirical Soldier, uh, who's also very, very good, who was an ex-army man. And, uh, but I think, um, yeah, I, and I know, and you probably are aware that she has been getting an awful lot of flack, and she's been called a lunatic, and she's been called a nut job, and you know. But that's, of course, that that that's going to happen. You go against the mainstream, and you're going to be attacked. You know, that's that's just that. This is what you're up against. You know, uh, NGO sectors, quango sectors, uh, government government funded organisations that can that that actually have a militia and tifa. And this is what you're up against, you know. So Tracy, she's very brave. And um, as I said, it's great for that she's in the position she's in and sharing her knowledge uh, with all of us. Because, and you can see, if you look at her, her channel, you can see her videos are like get thousands and thousands of views. So there's a lot of people watching her, a lot of people tuning into her. And I mean, when you look at it uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, um everybody was in silence everybody was 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 saying nothing um now look at how many people are talking i was in uh drahada there drahada town a few thursdays ago and there's guys going around handing out the leaflets and the amount of people that applauded and took leaflets and stopped and chatted was fantastic a year ago that would not have happened there would have been now there was a couple of boos yes there was but for the most part it was a wonderful positive positivity that day. And it's because of the likes of Tracy O'Mahony and the work she's doing and how she's getting the truth out uh, with her videos. And I hope she goes for a long, long time. Keep going for a long, long time because we need, you need, country needs people like her. If we're all, if we're all as strong as her, it'd be great. <laughs> 
I have to agree with you there. Tracy done great stuff, and she is doing great stuff. And um, Mike as well. He's, Mike, I yes, guess, I couldn't think of his name. Crack, yeah. yeah, Craig Crack looking at his page like he's always calling calling them out and holding them to account. Yeah. He did a very um, good video today about uh, McEntee, actually. I think it was today, today or yesterday. He's he's um he's he's brilliant. Um, Michael J. Sox, is he there? He had a a, a question. No, he's gone. No, let's just yeah, I'm then, here. Um, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, there you I'm are. Here. Yeah, I was going. I was just listening today about the hate speech and and about Sweden. You were talking about Sweden. There was a case of um in Sweden, you're not allowed to say the ethnicity of a person if there's a sexual assault. So you're just allowed to say a male in his thirties, uh, one eighty tall. So a cop, a Swedish cop, actually went broke ranks and went to the media, and he said the majority of the cases that he's seen, are over eighty-five to ninety percent, are not people who were born in Sweden. He got suspended first, then he got fired, and now they're prosecuting him for um, discrimination. So that's what that's kind of I think the way Ireland is going to go. So um, oh yeah, yeah absolutely. You, you can, you can sorry, sorry, yeah. Michael. Yeah, it's definitely very frightening to think that um, if you try to speak up and speak the truth, that you're going to end up getting uh, prosecuted and probably go to jail for oh, saying what's in front of you. Oh, very much so. Like uh, this entire conversation, we could see ourselves in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if the wrong person hears it. Um, also, are you, you're aware that um, the, uh, the, the, the part of the, the, of the legislation will allow the guards to come into your home and search your home if they believe you have any sort of material they find offensive or hate, hateful. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's shocking. And uh, it's up to the, it, it, um, if someone is offended by what you say or do. There was a case, so even like a person walking down the street and they, a, a person walking against them looked at them wrong and they perceived that as hateful and they made a complaint about it and that guy was investigated because he looked at them wrong. So that's oh, what yeah. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. They um, And the main thing about this hate speech is, of course, to protect the, the LGXYZ crowd. And that's nothing, nothing wrong with gays. Um, it's the others that they're trying to protect, which is not going to end well. You know, grown men, grown men wanting to talk to children about genitals is not a, is not going to end well. Yeah, you see, like this thing about uh, the world economics, uh, uh, world economic reforms view of the future. Like we see that as anti-human, and we see that as horrendous, a horrendous uh, totalitarian future but not everybody does like i've seen videos online there of, of uh, microchip parties in in sweden as well where young people are turning up and getting microchips put in their hands and they're saying oh like we've been doing this to animals for 20 years and it's so convenient i don't need keys anymore i can pay for my bus ticket or my train ticket by just swiping my hand so they don't like our perspective i don't think is a very a very popular one and they will literally be able to program people in the future to accept this way of life as, as a good way of living. We're the Neanderthals. Our way of thinking is the Neanderthal way of viewing things. And that's oh. how they will, they will they will program the people to think like that. Absolutely. I was saying there maybe a little while ago that it's not us 
that they're targeting. It's the children that are targeting. And they'll grow up, as you said, they'll grow up thinking, um, oh, this is wonderful. This is amazing. I just have to swipe my arm, as you say, and, and I'll get a coffee or I'll get a, I'll be able to get on the train. And, but you're, you're absolutely right. But I think, but it's, they'll grow up not knowing any better, thinking it's wonderful. But it's up to us to stop it because those future generations will look back at, 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 at and say to us, why, why, why did you, why did you accept this? You were supposed to be looking after us. Why didn't you? This is it. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's about the time, um, Dan. Thanks a million for coming on and, uh, it was brilliant chat, and your your channel is fantastic on YouTube. Dan's mixtapes for anyone who wants to have a look at it. Um, thanks a million. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Good night. Good chat. Good night. Thanks a million. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.